Welcome to episode five of the Respecting Your Elders podcast. I'm your host, Michael O'Neill Callahan, and today our guest is a longtime friend of mine all the way from Sweden, Dagum Hylamarium. Thanks for uh, doing the show. Thanks for having me. What city are you in right now? Stockholm. Nice. Well, I'm in the suburbs of Stockholm. Okay, nice. Let's just get right into it. So... Where were you born? Born, I was born in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, uh, 1975. Uh, we lived there for, I can't, I have no memories of it, but we lived there until I was probably five or six. Uh, I don't know if, if you're, if you know, but there was a coup that happened in 74, which is uh, a little bit the year before I was born. And my father worked within the government, uh, so there was issues that came up where his life, uh, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a pro Derek uh, guy. So we had to run. I, I'm not 100. This is all recollections and piecing together what others have said, have told me. So we had to run. So he made a plan and he got us to Cameroon. Uh, and then from Cameroon, uh, he, he got us to the States, and I got to the States in 1982. And then I can say my memories began, because I don't remember anything before that moment. Who, so. so, okay, so who was in power in 1974, and who led the coup? Before, yeah, before the coup was the Emperor Haile Selassie. So it was a, a monarchy, or, an, yeah, he was an emperor. So it was a straight-up monarchy, uh, so it was Haile Selassie. You know him as Jara. I know. Jara, I know. Right? I know him from reggae songs. Yeah, exactly. And, and was how, at, how long was he in power? Do you know? Oh, he was in power. I think from the thirties, maybe. He was oh wow! In power for a while. Yeah, 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 he was. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, the thirties. He was. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent, but I think early thirties, maybe late twenties. Thirty-four, for some reason, sticks in my mind. So, so before yeah. World War II? Yeah, definitely that. Uh, he, he actually, we were, they, it, it, I'm told, technically the first battle in reality in World War II was uh, Italy coming into Ethiopia and the English uh, helping Ethiopia. The, it, they came, in 1889 there was a, a treaty signed by uh, Italy and Ethiopia, uh, where Italy said they were Ethiopia's protectorate. In, in essence, kind of like uh, Ethiopia wanted to do anything in the world, they had to go through Italy, or so I'm told. I'm not 100% on the history, so don't hold me to what I'm saying. But That's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but then Ethiopia, though, took it as, okay, you're going to be one of the nations that we're going to deal with, or we have, uh, that's going to be, we're going to have relations with. Um, and and I think in order to get that, uh, Ethiopia gave away the north of it, which is modern day Eritrea. I think is where that that whole conflict comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, signed it away a little bit as to Italians or so. I think I'm not. A, I'm gonna leave that one alone because that's a, t a hot topic even today. Okay. Uh, so anyways, so then under that guise. Mussolini came into Ethiopia and said, uh, yeah, we're going to take 
we're going to take y'all. Because mm-hmm. Ethiopia at that time uh, was never colonized. It was the only nation, original nation. I mean, Liberia was created when the freed slaves came in. But yeah. some can say that the freed slaves colonized Liberia from the right. locals or whatever. So, right. But Ethiopia, technically, from its origin to its modern day, has never been colonized. So, uh, But Italy wanted to colonize it in, in 19... 19- 30 some odd 100 percent. still not sure the exact date they came in Haile Selassie took off uh spoke to the UN or whatever begged for support they said no but then luckily World War II broke out and then as soon as World War II broke out I mean it in luckily that context, for Ethiopia in that context because then Italy became an enemy of England and then uh, or Great Britain however you want to call them UK and then, so then the UK uh, helped out because it was it was occupied for five years by um, Italians. And I guess yeah, if World War II hadn't broken out, it would have been an Ethiopia. Ethiopia would have been a, an Italian colony, most likely. You might be speaking with an Italian accent right now, or your parents. No, not C. How do you say yes in Italian? C, 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 C. But anyways, yeah, so that was then. But in 74, what ended up happening is uh, there were a lot of protests. There were problems with the, uh, with the uh, outer lands. Because Haile Selassie, even though he was the monarch, I can't say he had full control. You still, I mean, he was the king of kings. And, uh, so in essence, each province or area had its own governor or king in itself. And so... But there were a lot of them that were taking the money that they were getting sent from the monarchy, but not spending it on the people. And then there was a lot of uh, uh, hunger, and, and so every people were protesting. Students were protesting. Uh, taxi drivers were protesting. And then the military took that as an opportunity. Uh, and it, the one that ended up in power, I think, was like 17th in line. I mean, uh, in the command chain of the military when it, but he ended up killing everyone in front of him. Wow. So at, yeah, at the end, Mangastu, Haile Mariam. No relation, because in Ethiopia, my dad's first name is my last name. So even uh-huh. if we share the same last name, it just means our, uh, doesn't mean anything. But anyways, he, he, he's the one that ended up ruling the Derg party. And he had actually asked the USA for help, in essence. I mean, it can make sense since he fought off a monarch. Uh, like, he wanted, a monarch. like he wanted democracy? Or uh, like he that's, what he, that's how he pitched it? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the, they didn't, the U.S. didn't like the, the way, I guess, he pitched it. So they said no. So then he turned to the USSR, Soviet Union. And then the Soviet Union said yes. And then he got support from the Soviets. Mm. Uh, yeah, and then he... He, I mean, he's responsible for the Red Terror trials. Think from what I, you know, it's in, I'm going. It, what I'm telling you is kind of like hearsay, or it is 100. percent right. I'm not firsthand account, but from what I've been, what I've heard, I mean, students. If anyone look like, you know, because an educated, educated folk mostly fight for their freedom, right? Because they're, you have to uh, take away intelligence in order. To, to oppress people at where they won't think it's oppression they just think it's the way it is mm-hmm. they, they they accept you as a superior 
to to be some people uh push people down in order to lift themselves up and i would say he's he's one of those types he's a blockhead and i don't mean that in the in the you know uh, stop being a blockhead but if you're not part of the it's like a, a knucklehead you know like you're either with us or you're against us and, and we're gonna okay now i'm yeah i can't I, i'm not gonna i guess talk about his character i'm a little bit pissed because i wonder how life would have been you know if we didn't have to run would mm-hmm. i have been uh as confused as i was throughout my childhood would i have mm-hmm. had a decent life and all that good stuff putting all that aside uh yeah he he supposedly in one way freed ethiopia from monocratic rule which is a a positive because i'm not into monarchies mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying but it could yeah. have been done in a more uh is that on your dating profile i'm not into I'm monarchies, not into monarchies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but no i mean i really am not 100 percent. if you get i would rather have uh, uh uh but i i don't think it needs to be bloody you know what i mean like it, 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 it it could be done uh, as the the UK did it, or the how, how Europe has been transitioning. You know what I'm saying? I know. Yeah. It didn't have to go the the way of the bloody coup. Mm-hmm. It, it, when 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 he did it that way, and then the way that he ruled, all you're doing is you're trying to be the new monocrat. You know that's all dictators are. They're uh, the new monocrats. But anyways, so what was so your what was your father's job? At the time, hundred percent do not know. He was in the military. Okay. I think. I, think. Uh, I have no clue. All I know is that he had to covertly uh, plan our escape. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then he got he he found. Yeah, he did it. I don't know exact. To be honest, I don't really. They didn't even. When I grew up in the States, I'll be honest with you, I was completely sheltered in one way where I had no real clue of what we were going through or what my parents were going through, better yet. Uh, I mean, when we got to the States, we, we I don't know, I think we came, we came uh, under a tourist visa, but then overstayed, but then uh-huh. applied for political asylum and then we got it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they were, I think they, we were almost kicked out three times, deported three times. Yeah. Uh, it was only by luck, mm-hmm. uh, good fortune. My dad went, he's a very, he's military, right? He went mm-hmm. to the hearing, uh, he went to the hearing really early, like hours early <laughs> before mm-hmm. anyone was even at the at the place and then he he was just there and then some dude came up to him the way he described it or he told it and he was just talking to the guy and at that moment he was just frustrated he's like i don't get it i brought my children to this country it's supposed to be better good people i'm trying to give them a better life you know he was like railing on america as it was in his experience only because of the ideal that he thought america was Mm mm-hmm uh and he didn't understand why because if he went back i think he would have been he would have been thrown in jail or killed like mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a joke he used to he used to 
train train us a little bit. And I never understood this kind of stuff, but he used to make us take like cold showers uh, when I was little. Yeah. It never made sense to me at all. I'm like, I just thought he was cruel. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I taking a cold shower? Why are you making us take a cold shower? Because it's cold. I'm talking about like ice cold water type showers, you know? But mm-hmm. I think he was preparing us in case we got kicked out and got sent back to America. I mean, to Ethiopia. And if we if that happened, you know, he would he would be gone because he would have been locked up or he would have been killed. So he was preparing us kind of like for a life on our own type of scenario. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm at least piecing together in my mind, because otherwise uh, in Ethiopia, you know, hot water just goes like you, sometimes water just goes. I, I think their work, they're getting better about it now. But back, especially in like the 80s, because mm-hmm. uh, we got there in 82. And for six years, it wasn't until 88 that we got the political asylum. And it wasn't until 89 that we, we got permanent residency. So it never made a Because, you know, my parents aren't, you know, they weren't, like, taught emotional and psychological <laughs> uh, welfare. They were just focused on physical welfare. You know, they were one of those, you put food in your belly, you got a shelter, you know, you got shelter. On your head, you know, be grateful mm-hmm. type of type of uh, parents because no one like Maslow wasn't taught when they went to school. You know what I mean? Like well, uh, what wasn't taught? Maslow. What's that? Maslow, uh, the hierarchy of needs. Uh, Maslow was, uh, you know, Abraham Maslow. Mm-mm. Not at all. Nope. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, he's the first psychoanalyst that actually, instead of studying sick people, because usually, you know, psych- psychology or whatever will study a person that has an ailment and usually draw out a map out the ailment. So they'll try to understand how the person became unhealthy and all mentally unhealthy and all that stuff. But what Maslow did, what he, he did the opposite. He, he studied uh, top 1% or 2% in schools. Like, and then he he asked them and tried to study how they how they became that way, and so then he he put together his hierarchy of needs, which is uh, in the beginning, you know, usually a person focuses and needs to get their basic needs met. Uh, then they need to uh, I can't believe I forgot it, but anyways, it goes you know self esteem, mm-hmm. wait basic security self esteem, whatever, and then they get to self actualization. But in reality, it, to me, it's the tool. It's like the, it's the play, uh, playbook to parenting. Like, uh, what a parent should always work to do is to help their child when they leave the nest or leave mm-hmm. the house mm-hmm. to be a self-actualized person, so that they can actually go into society in an interdependent way mm-hmm. instead of a codependent way or a very independent way. That makes sense. I know independence yeah. is good, but independence leads in a in a group reality. It's that's not a healthy way to be either, because we have to try to be interdependent, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're never going to interact. Mm-hmm. Type setup. But yeah, so they never had Maslow when they were growing up. You know, so it wasn't the thing in Ethiopian schools. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a thing in the U.S. schools either. But yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's starting to be like you know, like they call it. 
And that's the sad part. Nowadays, you hear old folks talking about these damn millennials. They care too much. They're too soft. You know, back in the day, my parents would just put me in front of the TV and tell me to shut the... You know what I mean? And they yeah. talk about it. They romanticize it like that's the way to be. But nah. Old that's cool. Yeah, yeah. But that's part of the reason why uh, a lot of folks see war as a solution type of mentality you know but i mean we have to parenting is more about developing a child not just in a physical way feeding them and and housing them but also develop helping them stabilize their emotions understand their emotions like when when a child feels an emotion they're going to find a hard time uh putting words to it so they're going to tend to react uh, the emotion is going to uh, take over and force them to react, but instead of parents supposed to help them until they can support themselves, parents are supposed to be that support so the un, until they can learn how to stabilize their emotions. Mm-hmm. So he focused on that. And psychological, of course, is learning how to process information, you know, sort through things and all that stuff. Uh, I think it, it's a thought to logic and semantics, like. If, if, yeah, it's logic, you know, it's psychological. It's the logical system of the brain type thing. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and we're still working on that, right? So they never had this when they were younger. So they never told me anything of what was going on. So I had no clue. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here. My dad is a, is weird. He's taking me, you know what I mean? Like, Imagine your dad walks in. He's like, "Okay, today you're gonna take an ice cold shower, yo." <laughs> it's like uh, it, it never made sense, but now it all makes sense. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so he goes back, and then luckily, yeah, taking it back. Luckily, uh, oh yeah. So the dude goes away. Court. The day starts. More people come. Court session. The hearing is starts, and then uh, you know, and then you hear that everyone rise. Uh, when the judge walks in, yeah, and the dude he was talking to him and bitching to actually about uh, America uh, or the, the, the was the judge. So uh, uh, yeah, he freaked out. You know what I'm saying in that moment. But luckily, the judge was a cool dude because instead of like he actually heard my dad. You know, he heard. Yeah. Uh, so he he understood. He had a, my dad had a lot. Of, he has a lot. He has a lot of respect for America and what America represents. And so I think the judge heard that and he understood. My dad was talking about his experience in relation to what he America's ideals. So I think and then the judge went back and and I guess he read the file or something, because when it all kicked off from what my dad told me is that uh, he 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 unleashed on the. I guess you call them prosecutors too, mm-hmm. in the uh, in immigration court. Yeah, he's like, and yeah, and he's like, what are you doing? Da da da. And then yeah, that was it. So instead of getting deported, uh, he got political asylum. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember going to Cameroon? I I I have no record. Like I had, I think one time I have a memory. Uh, of watching Magnum PI in a hotel in London eating Rice Krispies. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I remember, like, people, but no, like, memories. No motion picture type of memories. Like, Were you nine, nine years older or six? No, I was, yeah, around six. I got to the, we got to the States, I remember, I think, July 25th, 1982. I only remember it because it was 20 days after my birthday. Mm-hmm. The, we, uh, 1982, and I was seven. So, July 5th, 75. The, but I have no, nothing. Only stories. Uh, I do not know why. I don't know if it's, I've always, like, wondered, is it normal that my memories only start after age seven? Hmm. Or was it like I I don't know suppressing trauma of some sort? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, but my I, earliest memories are I think around four years old. Yeah, so maybe it was just too hectic for me, so I couldn't. I didn't. None of it could stay in. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I mean, technically, I was born right after the coup, so it can't have been. I didn't witness any kind of trauma. I mean, we didn't have. Uh, any kind of like, I didn't witness any tra- traumas or traumatic, as far as I've, I'm told and as far as I can, you know what I mean? There is no traumatic, it's just, I guess things were so hectic, I, I didn't yeah. take them in. They were and you probably blur. hadn't entered, entered like re-entered society yet. No, I mean, I went to school when I was in Ethiopia, from right here, like kindergarten and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah, so I mean, we, we had a decent life because my mm-hmm. father worked uh so i mean it wasn't it wasn't like that's the other thing you know i there's no i can't like physical stuff like when it comes to you know feeding and housing i have nothing to be ungrateful for you know what i'm saying yeah so in that way there was never any struggles or any traumas and i don't think even i mean i've seen pictures so we weren't in harsh conditions or even close you know what i mean we were mm-hmm. live, i guess you could upper middle class reality in Ethiopia. Mhm. Mhm. You know, with the uh, Yeah, we were living a good life. <laughs> Better than how it was in the US in as mm-hmm. materialized as weird as that sounds. Uh No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I mean in that way, but and then uh where in America do you remember coming to America? Yeah, we came to Bethesda. Uh I mean, we first uh, stayed with my uncle. Uh, my my dad had a brother, and yeah. he he actually left out. In one, he he left Ethiopia before the coup. He he used to be minister of agriculture back in Ethiopia. Okay. And then and then I think he he left that, and then he got a job with the IMF, the World uh-huh. Bank of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And then for that reason, he was out of the country when it all went down, and I think he right. stayed out of the country. Yeah. And I know that my dad had a brother that was locked up because uh, uh, of this. Many people, I mean, people, it wasn't like, it was a bloody coup. It wasn't uh, a bloodless coup. Right. But it wasn't like a civil war. No, because the military's. There was one I mean, military. It, it turned into a civil war, if you want it, because it took, uh, uh, when luckily the Soviet Union. Fell, you know. Right. And, uh, and then Mengistu lost his uh, support. Okay. Uh, he lost when he lost his support and everything. You know, they were the only ones backing him, and without him, without them, he had no power, no nothing. Okay. And so when they stopped backing him, I think they backed him 
earlier than when the wall fell and and all that stuff. A little earlier it was like in the late eighties, something. Uh, but there were at that time there were rebellions brewing, and that's how the new the 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 the, the power structure that exists in Ethiopia today came about was through a a, a I guess a rebel a civil not re- it's a not revolution really a revolution yeah a revolution of sorts because instead like, of becoming a single dictator they turned into a single party <laughs> a party uh, party system it's uh, it's an evolution I guess but right. it, 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 it's like if you t- it doesn't have to be how it was you know like like the US did the revolution right but the cool thing is the US had George Washington and and he walked away because he understood if he stayed it wouldn't it would just be a new monarch of sorts you know yeah yeah so he he walked away and then he enabled the civilian system of government he 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 walked away so military law no longer didn't rule the land instead they built a civilian a civil law structure but mm-hmm. no one did that in Ethiopia. He stayed, and Mangustu was the derg, so he was a single-person dictator. When they kicked him out, they became the party that kicked him out. Ended up becoming the single-party ruling, and now they're finally. We'll see. There's a new prime minister that took over. Uh, he seems cool. He uh, he released a lot of political opponents. Uh, that that the his pre his predecessor had locked up. Mm-hmm. He released a, a lot of the press, folk. Uh, and so we'll see in 2020 is their next election. Uh, people have been joining up and, and and forming parties and different things. At one point, I think I think they had like crazy numbers of parties. That's insane, you know. It was like I think like 90 or 100 or something like that. <laughs> they had like crazy number of parties. So he helped right. like they. Then parties started joining, and now they have a, a few. But hopefully in this election, because a democracy can only exist at its bare minimum, I feel, if it's a multi-party system. Mm-hmm. That's the only way, because then you have different voices and different uh, – you, you, I think they, they, call, they have a system of government they call a, an anocratic system of government. It's a system of government that – it is partly run in a democratic way and partly run in an authoritarian way. And I think that's what the single party best represents. Like a single party government, if you belong to the party, is going to run, you're going to feel it like it's democratic because as a party member, you get to vote and all that stuff. But if you're outside the party, you're always dictated to by the party. And then the party is led by one chairman. And then there's. There can never be an opposing voice to that party. So then you can't really have a roundtable style discussion. Right. Usually, because there's always a party manifesto. So he, the party manifesto ends up becoming the constitution versus a constitution that, that can exist. Uh, Including everyone. Yeah, in a way that's very... It's not... So, like, we, remember what I, what I sent you, right? After uh, hearing... The podcast with your neighbor, mm-hmm. uh, name, but that's Travis. the thing. Yeah, it, it 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 it's including everyone, but it's just saying that the state 
is not loyal to any single like we that one was more about the religious aspect right i have a lot of respect for the first amendment in the sense where it says the state cannot have a religion it doesn't say a person can't have a religion it says the state can't have a religion and anyone representing the state can't give it their religion they can have their own religion yeah. they can freely practice their own religion but they can't authorize their religion right separation of church and state yeah in that context because it, when that comes then you have oppression and it's the same with different ideologies and not just on the on the religious front it's the same with the uh, political front yeah the party ideologies because uh, at the end of the day i mean not everyone i don't agree with myself you know what i'm saying like like i have a hard time agreeing with myself i always have to debate i mean there's certain things like you know if someone offers me coffee yes i'm 100 percent on board all parts of it you know what i'm saying yeah but uh, but if i'm about to do something like if someone calls and is like ah i don't know do i really want to do that do i want to do that then i have all these different thoughts in my head right and then i'm like okay and then the best thought wins and then i then uh formulate some sort of majority in my own head with the committee in my head kind of thing you know what i'm saying yeah, uh, people are thought. people don't always have the right answers. People are yeah. flawed. Yeah, and it's never. I'm never even 100 percent sure of what I'm gonna do. I know I say I don't agree with myself 100 times, but I mean I'm not sure of what I'm gonna do. I'm never 100 percent with everything that I do. There's it reminds me. Yeah. Uh, it's a terrible example, but um, what's that movie with uh, Hunger Games, where you have. Uh, yeah. The people in power in the capital, yeah. and they all feel like everything is wonderful, and they all feel like their way of doing thing is things is the way everyone should agree with it. And then you have all the other little outlier towns that aren't necessarily feeling represented, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That one's a little bit different because it's more like uh, utopic. You know, I mean, in the center, if you're in the capital. You just benefit from the labor of everyone else outside of you. I think yeah. if the capital, if 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 yeah, it's it's this, it's similar. Like not everyone lives that privileged life, and but you have to appreciate your privileged life and understand. That's why it's it's hard. Freedom is not like a thing that I can solely own. It's something that I have to share with you. Right. Uh, you you understand what I mean? It's like yeah. The you know the saying uh, if if everyone's if everyone isn't free then no one's free or something or whatever right is it? yeah that, that sounds right yeah so it's that it's that concept of thought it's like if I am always free to do what I want to do whenever we're together you'll never be free to do what you want to do so sometimes we have to share so I get to do sometimes what I want to do. And then you get to do sometimes what you want to do. And then sometimes we're lucky. And the thing we want to do is something we both want to do. Mm -hmm. but we share that sense of freedom. If it doesn't exist like that, then no one is really free. Because hopefully you'll be fighting me for your freedom. <laughs> right. Then That's we'll why be caught we have laws. Yeah. And what is it in America? It's everyone has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So yeah, if you're if you're, if you're stepping on. on someone else's 
uh, right to the pursuit of happiness or liberty, then our laws ideally will keep you in check. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's the other thing. There is a concept of rule of law, but sometimes you have to check the law, right? You said it. The reason I really appreciate, I'm, I'm not lying to you, man, that, 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 that constitution, not all constitutions are cool. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they're democracies, it's mm-hmm. the, the reason I like, if you, for me, I see the U.S. Constitution, the, the Bill of Rights. I see them as like order of business, right? Priorities and everything like that. And then they bookmark them. So the first things first, we set up what the free state, an abstract reality of what the free state is. Okay. In the free state, a person is free to speak their mind. In the free state, a person is free to be informed. In the free state, a person is free to practice their afterlife beliefs. It's you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, in the in the free state, if if someone is wronged, they have a right to peacefully re- uh, petition for a redress of that grievance. Uh, that's the free state. You understand? And then the second thing is when to protect that free state, right? Okay, we can view on how different now, you know, I think it should be better. I like the well-regulated aspect. Everybody keeps hopping over well-regulated. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, yeah, well-regulated militia, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you, the, 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 this is, I know this one is a touchy subject. I, I mean, I, I believe that, that, that I, I would love a world where people didn't need to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't exist. But it's like a really intense take. I mean, the tool does. There's only, I mean, a gun only has one purpose, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's to kill or, mm-hmm. or maim. There is no other purpose for it. I mean, there's nothing else that it does. So if, if you're going to have that, you have to be well-regulated. And, and, and the only reason why you are able to have that right is for this purpose. So we have to keep it focused on what the purpose of that Second Amendment is. And then we also have to understand what well-regulated means. Well-regulated is a military can't function disorderly, so it's got to be ordered. And mm-hmm. who's the only one that can call the militia into defense? So it's got to be subservient to the state. It mm-hmm. can't run free on its own. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's the only time a militia running free on its own is called a rebellion. Mm-hmm. It's not. If it's not called by the state to defend the state, it's called a rebellion. Like because the I think it even happened in U.S. history, right? Like a militia militias stood up. Uh, and then they were, uh, it was a rebellion. So other militias were called to, by the state to help defend. Yeah, like the... Nat, Nat Turner's rebellion was not, they didn't say, well, militias are allowed, so do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. It's not, that's, it got twisted. Because I think when they applied the, the Second Amendment to the individual right to defend yourself, that's when they really got it twisted. Because then that means the individual became the state. And then that means that the individual can, in essence, uh, defend, uh, declare war against 
the, the population of the state. It was I don't I never really understood the logic behind that ruling. But when they when it went to the Supreme Court and I think it was Scalia, right? Uh, and his whatever I'm uh, okay. Let me stop naming names. I'm not exactly sure who who was the one that specifically called this out. But they said that they said that yeah, and it was a it was the case in D.C. right that that the Second Amendment applied. So uh, yeah, they they declared it the individual became the state, and, and that was wrong mm. because then that means it's just on me to to call me. Like then I can call the militia on my own. And declare war against the, the state, and then how much of a free state is that? I become that domestic threat within that the Constitution that folks take oaths to defend the Constitution against, you know? Because at the end of the day, without the state, if we're just a bunch of people living on land, right? We're not a society. Without, yeah, we're not. Let's keep it real. I mean, civilization, but not in the grand scale, like. Not in the grand scale of human civilization, but I mean in the scale, in the in the sense of civil law. It's the thing mm-hmm. that ties us together. The system of government that we have. It's the uh, then then I mean malicious militia law should never be above civil law. It should always be subservient to civil law. Otherwise, we're not a civilization. Unless uh, the the colonial militia overthrew the uh, British rule. That's it. But that wasn't civil law. That was colonial law. That means you were you were oppressed. See, that's a little different. That's where I'm like, every constitution is not a constitution. Yeah. Every every rule of law is not a rule of law. So I'm and talking you're about saying like, that you're saying that in Ethiopia, with when you have one party in power to enforce the laws, it's not. Uh, it's free. An, it's, it's, an, it's no. It's not equal. Not even a little bit. If you're only allowing for one party, yeah, no, not even a little bit. I mean, it was insane. I think the the last election they had in 2015 was one of the most insane. Uh, they said that this one party. I mean, they had. I'm sorry, I don't know, but what are the odds of one party getting all the votes? Like everyone in the country being so happy with the one party. That happened Every- in Russia too this time. Come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I don't know. That's it's, just the it's odds comical. Too- it's comical. Yeah, the odds are too. Yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah. I'm grateful that we don't that America doesn't have that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, to that to that degree. To that degree. Yeah. I mean, you have folks that that idealize. We, we have faith in our. We still believe that our elections are um, legitimate. Yeah, but I mean, even overall. the ones, even even the fools that you have currently doing the things that they're doing, a lot of them are misled. And mis and they uh, and they misunderstand. I mean, it's not. I mean, they were raised to think a certain way. There are two types of things that 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 the Constitution can uphold, right? What constitutes a nation? You have two things. You have moral code, or you have genetic code. Some people, they. I mean, it's it's the it's the same thing. I mean, it's not. You can't just fault them. I mean, yes, theirs is blatant in the sense where they're completely out of whack to think that a nation represents. Like the what represents a nation is a set of genetic codes and not a set of moral codes, because if we think back to civilization, we got to think civil law, and civil law is nothing more than a set of moral codes. And everyone that 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 adheres to those, that assimilates themselves to those set of moral codes, can say that they're a part of that civilization of thought. But if someone is thinking, 
what constitutes my nation is a set of genetic codes in any little way, then it can skew their perspective of thought. And unfortunately, there are folks in America, and not just in, in, in America, uh, in Ethiopia, I mean, in, not just in the U.S. of America, uh, but in Ethiopia, in, in Europe, in Asia, you have a lot. They think that the nation is represented by a set of genetic codes to mm -hmm. any degree. And mm -hmm. however, however many degrees they give. Race uh, or tribe or. Yeah. And race is religion. a weird thought because if we think about it, right? Race is, it's a construct, right? Construct, it's uh -huh. Yeah, it's a social construct. It's the only way we group ourselves socially. If you're going to stay, you don't want to be pure with race because then you're going to be inbred. To stay pure with your race after a while, you're going to be inbreeding and inbreeding. That's going to be the worst thing for human evolution. In fact, you want diversity in your genetic pool to have the best results when it comes to, uh, in the long run, human, human some, evolution. Some comedians said we should all have sex with each other until we're just one race. <laughs> I mean, that's, we are, technically we are just one race, if people adhere to the human race philosophy of thought. Because now mm -hmm. let's think. Ism, right? Ism, if you take, we're going to go back to semantics, logic and semantics, right? It's a, I took this one class in the philosophy class. It's logic and semantics. When you lose the lexical reality of a word, you're going to misalign the logical reality of, of its meaning when you associate it within a, a context of thought, right? So we have ism. Ism simply means philosophy practice system of whatever it is that you're attaching ism to. So if I have a philosophy of thought and then I practice that philosophy of thought, in time when it grows, it will become a system of thought. So if I have a philosophy in which I see different human races, then I'm going to practice a system of different human races, or I'm going to practice uh, in everyday life about human, different human races, and then I'm going to apply that to my governmental thought of, uh, uh, system. So then I'm going to govern mentally using yeah. that. So then I'm going to identify different treat, people. Treat different groups differently. Exactly. And I don't always have to be negative with it to hurt somebody. Meaning like I don't, negative, uh, uh, I don't have to always uh, treat someone outside of my group of race uh, negatively in order to hinder them. I can, if yeah. you now think, mentally, we There's scale positive up, stereotypes. Right? Yeah, but it's not even in the sense of stereotype. It's more in the sense of positive discrimination and negative discrimination. In essence, I don't have to negatively discriminate against you in order to hurt you with discrimination. Because then I, I can, nepotism is an example of it. Nepotism I'm not negatively discriminating against someone. I'm positively discriminating against someone. So I'm discriminating in favor of someone. Uh -huh. And when I apply that to my public system of thought. Now, personally, you know what I mean? I'm not going to treat everyone like I would treat my daughter. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not going to go around this world trying to hug and kiss everyone. You know what I'm saying? Or, or give them an allowance or, or buy them whatever they want. Or, you, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But... In a public context of thought, I have to. That's not a, it's not a, if I want to live in a just society, if I want to be a participant mm. in a just society, I have to.
because then I'm in a public framework of thought. And in a public framework of thought, everyone weighs the same. So when I evaluate situations, when I evaluate circumstances, I have to evaluate them with that core notion of thought where everyone first starts weighing the same. You get what I mean? Now, yeah. if, I'm a, if someone is applying for a job, the only thing I should give weight to is the things that that job requires. Nothing more, nothing less. So I'm not going to take two people, one that's very unqualified and one that's very qualified and say, okay, these two people are equal. They have equal rights to this job. I'm not going to do that. You know, but if these two people are equally think, then I have to figure a way. Okay, what am I going to do? Then the fairest way is who applied for the job first. If I have two people, let's say, that are completely, that's the only way. So the distinguishing factors that I use can't in any way discriminate outside of the guidelines that the thing that I'm uh, uh, trying to fill uh, or uh, asks me to discriminate. So. Going back to that thought, if we subscribe to the one human race system of thought, then technically we are one race. Now, categorically, how do I, I identification and all that stuff? Then we get into the subcategories. So then we can go subracial. So then, but even then. Religion, gender. No, well, those are, yeah, those are two different. Those are more ideological. So then that's more. Yeah, subcategorical of ideologies and different things. But I'm just talking about biology now, genetic code, right? But even when I go subracial, if I ask you, what's your genetic makeup? Can you ever tell me that you're purely one subrace? No, I can't. Exactly. I mean, I did 23andMe, so it said I was like Irish, English, French, German. You get it what I'm said... saying, then? Uh-huh. Yeah, so I can't even identify as one sub. For me, I did 23 of me, and it said like I'm 99% uh, Northeast African. <laughs> uh huh. 99 point somewhat, and then it said like 0.1. Uh, I don't know. It came with some weird, but I'm I I I'm I guess I am pretty close to that one thought. You know what I'm saying? It um, said I'm 100% European white. Yeah, exactly. But what does that mean? That was crazy. You get it's what just, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because that, if you if you were talking to some Germans in the '30s, they they might not consider you their race, even if you were. You get what I'm or saying? Just, or just Irish people in America in the, I don't know, '60s, '40s, '30s. Yeah, that type of stuff. But anyway, yeah. So it gets. It, then we get into weird. Yeah. Then it gets like. Then it gets stereotypical, like like you said. Then we get into black and white, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Then we get into, uh... which is like, which is like, black in America is if you're a f any part of you is black, then you're black. Yeah, but remember where that came from. That's the thing about it. Remember I where do. that came from. Yes. That in essence was used to uh, hold people down. It was a negative. Exactly. One drop exactly. of black blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that. See that. Okay, there's, it was real, like since in America, there's a difference. I thought, I thought y'all, in my mind, in my mind, I thought y'all were ready to, uh, no, America's not ready to, 
they, the work to come together is still. I thought you, I because of my experience in America, since I've never really come across. Uh, well, I have come across discrimination based on it, but it was so minute. It wasn't in the general. Uh, it wasn't like a a recurring experience. Like I, I had one time I was like dancing in a. At the bus stop, right, and some police lady had drove by, and all of a sudden she came back, and then she goes, eh, "We had a suspicious call about a black male wearing a red shirt and blue jeans." And then I'm like taking a look at myself, and I'm wearing a white button-up shirt and black slacks because I'm getting ready to go to work. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I don't even fit your uh, your description, but her thought was, I had a backpack, so maybe I. I changed real quick. You get what I mean? Yeah. And in my mind, that's messed up on many levels. One, it's messed up uh, because it goes against the Fourth Amendment, right? You can't just, uh, uh, on such a generic description of thought, you can't just search me. You got to have a specific reason for trying to search me at that mm-hmm. moment since it wasn't me and i didn't i i wasn't doing whatever i let her look in the bag you know so i had to go to work so i wasn't trying to you know how they say escalate your battles yeah, yeah. yeah it's not even escalate i don't mind escalating in that moment but it's more like i didn't want to delay myself yeah yeah <laughs> I don't, but but in that moment yeah for so i i'm a little sensitive now i have to be because i thought i thought you know, we were ready to get past. I thought I, I, I would like to see the U.S. in a place where it can get past. Uh, it's like this. OK, if you have dented a car, right, this is going to get weird, but play with me. I mean, go with uh, you. Yeah, yeah. With this figurative thought real quick. If I dent a car, right, like a bad dent, you know what a dent puller is, right? Yeah. Yeah, I have to pull that dent out, right? So that means I have to do the same to it in the opposite direction. Sometimes uh-huh. people bang out dents, right? And yeah. Sometimes people, pull, but it has to be so. In that sense, I and I and I think it's still needed. I think it's more needed on a large scale, though, community-wise. You know what I mean? It would it would be nice to see uh, folks focusing on on um, like transitioning. Instead of individual reparations, you know what I mean? Instead of on indivi- trying to bang out the dents individually, I, it would be nice to see it more as like a, a, a different communities, you know, like neighborhoods and, uh, you know what I mean? Because right now people are still segregated, right? The way that they live, even though there's no formal segregation in the mm-hmm. USA, there's mm-hmm. still a... Uh, an informal reality of segregation, right? And, and a lot of it has real estate segregation. Yeah, I mean it's in, it's informal. Covert it's not instead of overt. No, that's on the negative tip. I mean, even in the po- this is where I'm I'm leaning towards when I say positive mm-hmm. discrimination. People mm-hmm. feel safer among their own. So people mm-hmm. think back in the day, uh, blacks should serve blacks was a thought because whites didn't want to serve blacks, right? But nowadays, blacks feel safer if blacks get served by blacks. In the sense where I want to see more people that look like me in my community policing and stuff like that. 
So mm-hmm. there's still a real need for people, and it's out of insecurity and a need for feeling more secure. And it's not unjustified in the sense where we don't know where it came from. They're just saying this because they're covertly, right. you know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. in that, that, because that one is more the problematic one. Because the problem is, as long as that exists, it works to the advantage of folk that want to negatively uh, keep segregation alive. You get what I'm saying? For as long as they possibly can, if they could indefinitely, but they can't because they're more good people than bad people. And the more uh, people awaken uh, to certain isms of thought and work within themselves to be the change, the the less, uh, because I think there are more people that that will choose to remove a negative ism than to keep it because they're unaware of how negative it is. But in this con- concept of thought, it's understandable. So then it's like, then the process of 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 uh, trying to help someone identify it, trying to help someone get past it, then it becomes more like a a PTS type of scenario. You get what I'm saying? PTS. Yeah, like a traumatic uh, stress. Uh, Post-traumatic stress. Yeah. Then uh-huh. it's more like trauma of racism has forced people to only feel safe within those that are categorized as their own, uh, uh, which is totally weird because uh, technically someone could defraud me just because they look like me doesn't mean they ain't going to screw me over. And mm-hmm. uh, if everything was, if the history of America didn't exist, if everyone was where they were, whatever, you know, uh, people that will help me come would look like whatever and people that will hurt me would look like whatever, right? I would understand that. So I have to be a bit more, uh, I mean, I have to use the same system of just, uh, cautiousness with everyone. Mm-hmm. I, I, I shouldn't feel safer with someone simply because they look like me. Honestly, mm-hmm. since I, you know, I know my history, <laughs> even though I didn't personally, you get what I'm saying in that context of thought. So I mean, like, that would be in an ideal setup. But because things aren't ideal, because a lot of trauma has been uh, enacted, then the, the, then the process has to be a bit more. But yeah, ultimately, the best way to remove racism is to identify and to get everyone to view each other or us as one race would be, ideally, to remove positive discrimination as mm-hmm. well as negative discrimination. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's the ism that skews people's thoughts and then that brings us all the way back to people who believe a nation is made up of a genetic code versus moral code you get what i'm saying so, yeah and, and, it, and it's it's quite a challenge and complex because there's always going to be one group that is the majority and i think it's human nature for people to want to feel superior in one way or another, whether it's like I feel superior to the homeless person or I feel superior to the, um, the jerk, the angry person or. But I have a question for you. Would you say that is the rule or is that the exception to the rule? Do you feel like if you had a, a 10 people in a room, do you think a majority of those people 
would need to feel superior to the homeless person, or would it be maybe one or two that might need it? Like if we're gonna, or let's say uh, out of a, a thousand people, would you say most of those people are people that would not need to feel superior, or? And that's that's where the dilemma comes because I believe a majority of them are good folk, and if they simply mm-hmm. identify, because sometimes okay, now we get into the psychology, right? Yeah. We only work with the documentations that we have. It's the same with uh, a program, right? An application can't work without its documentation. So uh, we just have to understand who in us, psychologically speaking, is in control. Is it really the super ego that controls everything? Is it uh, the id entity that controls everything? Or is it the ego that controls everything? Or are they three different parts just mm-hmm. doing their own thing and fighting? fighting uh, so we have three components, right? If we're, if we're part of that school of thought, Freud's and the rest of the school of thought, uh, do we see the, the brain as one unit or the mind? The mind, better yet. The psyche is one unit uh, made up of three parts. Do we see the, the mind as three separate parts fighting for control? Mm-hmm. Do we, and then if we see... And then depending on uh, which one is really in charge. For me, I see it more like, okay, uh, the identity is kind of like our algorithm of thought, right? It's what filters and what, what processes information. The superego for me is, is kind of like the database. That's where I, I, I store all my documentation, my learning, how I, uh, how I all the different uh, impositions, uh, how I impose... Uh, uh, impose uh, reality uh, mm-hmm. so I can uh, recognize, you know, through cognition, when I've learned something, I, I, I store it, and then I use that when I do recognition so I can recognize things, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Then the ego, what is the ego? I think the ego is just me, myself. I have, to, I have to live in a world where I do give my ego respect, and I give your ego respect in the sense where I have to identify that we're two different individuals, so I can't uh, assume that my needs, my wants, my desires, especially in that specific moment, they're going to be the same as yours. In other words, I have to respect that you make your own decisions, and we have to somehow work together to come up with a, a, a mutual consensus. Uh, and sometimes it might be, okay, we did what I wanted to do yesterday. What do you want to do today? So that means you get a full say. So it's not like all the time we have to be unanimously agreeing on everything that we do. Sometimes I can give you, sometimes you give me, right? So if I see it that way, then I understand it's whatever I set for my identity is going to be what regulates the two connections. So if I identify as, let's say, human first, let's just use that, the one race logic of thought. If I identify myself as human, then everything is going to filter through that id entity of thought. Now, a lot of folk, I don't know why, see the id as a in, as a never growing thing like they see it as it's just our primal nature and it will never grow it mm-hmm. just wants to eat sex it up do the most basic things whatever i don't see it that way i think that my identity grows with me you know at first it it's non-existent in a sense where it's kind of like 
it's it's kind of like a, an algorithm you know what i mean it's pure it's like it's never been and then, but then the more i fill my database with then the more it does its thing you know kind of so it grows with me it's like it's the one central notion of thought it's my identity it's me so as i grow it grows mm -hmm. and if it doesn't grow then in in essence my mind hasn't grown Mm -hmm. So then, then it's just, I'm, I'm nothing more than, cause okay, then I flip it. We got to remember Freud was a cokehead as well. So maybe he didn't, think, he didn't see things exactly clearly, let's right? Stop, let's stop there on Freud was a cokehead. Yeah. And, and come back. Uh, we'll have to do part two of this because I think that's about an hour. Uh, okay. Sorry. And I babbled. It's okay. Don't, no need to be sorry. Uh, I think you're about six years old at this point in the podcast so we can pick up from there uh in part two ah we were supposed Thanks. to talk about me weren't we yeah no, no there's not supposed to there's no supposed to i i like when it goes off um thanks so much for doing the podcast and it's great to catch up with you uh we can talk more after but i'm gonna end the podcast now thank you okay. mike all right dagum all right We'll see you again soon on the podcast.